Volume One, Chapter Five of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Five. I'll be thine, my fair, or not my mother's. To this I am most constant, though destiny say no. Shakespeare such were the expectations which it became arthur's ungracious office to undeceive on his return from holywell of course he made the best of his story but it was a hard story to make the best of his mother did not interdict the marriage his mother entertained no prejudice against the baltimore family for she had never heard of them till on occasion of his attachment but she did not approve of his marrying so young she did not approve of his quitting the army she would do nothing to promote the match we'll give nothing you mean interrogated jack coming to the point i fear not and you have of your own not five hundred a year which being interpreted meant little more than four but we might live very happily on five hundred a year added armytage gaining courage from the silence of her parents we had not so much when we settled in life sighed mrs baltimore arranging her gilt bracelets times were different then and we had no situation in life to keep up there is no personal sacrifice i would not make observed armytage turning a deaf ear to the latter explanation in order to secure marian's comfort and marian is the least expensive creature in the world she never wants anything cried mrs baltimore forgetting that her daughter's wants had been hitherto forestalled by the liberality of the robseys well we must see about it there'll be no harm in waiting said jack not a little damped in his ardour for the match by this change of stakes waiting interrupted armytage who saw the utmost harm in leaving his precious marian in the society of her own family pray do not talk of waiting i'm sure a long engagement would break poor marian's heart said her mother with perfect simplicity she's such a nervous susceptible creature my mother cannot but come round interposed arthur i am an only son and when once she knows that the marriage is irremediable she will do all that is right and handsome old women are so deuced obstinate said jack tis like pulling at a hard-mouthed colt if therefore resumed arthur colouring deeply at the latter observation so much at variance with the reverence he was in the habit of testifying towards his mother if you will but give your consent the sooner we are married the better time will bring all things straight the axiom was one of established authority but before he ventured on a definitive answer jack had two or three toms dicks and bobs whom he chose to consult about marrying his daughter as he would have done about selling his horse but tom dick and bob remembering how many fillies friend jack had still at grass were strongly in favour of the alliance the robseys were next referred to and mrs dyke who had set her heart upon giving a déjeuner à la fourchette as the newspapers politely call a luncheon to the happy pair at her splendid mansion in portland place would not hear of a postponement 
nay finding the great lady of holywell so remiss the robseys even ventured on the presentation of a hundred per annum to their niece which they would have scarcely thought worth offering had mrs armytage done justice to her son mrs dyke robsey superadded the gift of a handsome set of topazes for the bride purchased on the very day of arthur's proposals while mr dyke robsey promised a new carriage to the young couple a promise which tended to accelerate their union for jack immediately set off for the long acre to give orders and superintend the building of a capital chariot in short the thing was to be arthur dreading to encounter the mess raillery of his brother officers accepted the first terms offered for his commission the proceeds of which formed a handsome addition to his fortune and when after a considerable expenditure of arithmetic and fifty pounds worth of conference with the lawyers it was ascertained that mr and mrs arthur armytage would begin the world with an income of six hundred and twenty pounds a year mrs baltimore observed with a sigh that so long as they had no family they might do wonderfully well arthur did not think it necessary to inform them that it was his own fault the six did not amount to eight that his excellent sister had remitted a deed making over to him two hundred a year of her own fortune with an earnest assurance that as all her wants and wishes were amply provided for by her mother his acceptance would only prevent her from becoming a hoarder but arthur knew or suspected to what object his sister's hoardings were dedicated and would as soon have thought of robbing a church as of profiting by her disinterestedness besides he had still full faith in his mother he wrote to her firmly but respectfully to announce the completion of the arrangements for his marriage he was too proud to implore her sanction fearing the prayer might be interpreted into an appeal to her generosity and as she remained silent and as sophie gave him little encouragement to hope for any immediate concession in his favour the ceremony was performed mr and mrs dyke robsey's raised pies and decorated hams were duly eaten and commended and the bride and bridegroom dispatched upon a tour to the continent if it had not been that jack baltimore seeing double from the effects of his brother-in-law's champagne and leaning over the balcony to ascertain what sort of a turn-out did honour to the acre and to his inventive genius predicted that the off-leader of the four posters would prove a bolter there was no fault to be found with the wedding meanwhile sophie armytage's position was far from being of an enviable nature during those six weeks of suspense although her mother knew her to be in almost daily communication with arthur not a word was uttered by mrs armytage expressive of interest or curiosity in his measures from that unlucky morning when sophia unwisely following her brother's directions had kept secret the subject of his momentous epistle their mother had scrupulously refrained from interference in their correspondence she had expressed her opinion concerning his projected marriage forcibly and unreservedly it had remained for him to decide between following her advice or his own rash inclinations and the result had demonstrated the extent of his filial duty and affection 
fifty times a day did mrs armytage remind herself that since his passion for miss baltimore had obtained the ascendancy it was not for a woman of her principles to sanction so flagrant an example of family insubordination but much as she laboured to maintain her ordinary aspect and demeanour sophie could not but notice that her mother's feelings were powerfully excited mrs armytage's fine commanding countenance indeed remained unruffled she came and went as usual busied herself with the affairs of the country and the county the parish the farm the household but there was irritability in all her gestures restlessness in all her proceedings she accepted engagements in the neighbourhood gave dinners and received them but sophie was grieved to observe the incoherence which absence of mind tended to impart to her discourse usually so luminous with sense and meaning people might now contradict her as they pleased she had no spirit for argument even when mr wemmersley vented his covert sneers upon the agricultural systems adopted at her pet farm she bore his taunts she bore his blunders she suffered ignorance itself to be a plummet over her as a climax to sophia's sorrows she began to fancy that her mother's health was giving way under the susceptibility of her temper the countenance of mrs armytage frequently bore evidence at breakfast that she had not closed her eyes through the night she was at once feverish and languid she who had never in her life experienced a headache or consulted a physician it is true she still protested she was well never better and expressed such vehement displeasure when sophie hinted at the propriety of consulting the apothecary that a stranger might have been deceived concerning the extent of her ailments but the eye of an affectionate daughter is not so easily blinded following the indications of her own noble and womanly nature sophie fancied that her mother might be repenting her severity and that she needed only a pretext for displaying milder dispositions towards her son but having hazarded a few words expressive of arthur's uneasiness on her account and the desire of all their friends that a reconciliation might take place mrs armytage replied with so much sternness that there could be no reconciliation where there had been no estrangement and that she was not in the habit of exposing her family affairs to the suffrage of her acquaintances and added in so decisive a tone if you wish that things should go on well between us sophie evince for the future your sense of duty by refraining from all allusion to this forbidden subject but miss armytage admitted the impossibility of any further attempt sophie had the vexation too of suspecting that every one was in combination against her brother the holywell servants for instance were of a class only to be met with in opulent provincial families who do not indulge in a yearly migration to london as much a part of the house as the turret clock of the offices weather-worn in body and moss-grown in faculties like the very walls of the ancient mansion most of them were servitors of the parents of mrs armytage had seen her born as well as her children and looked up to her with a veneration somewhat similar to that lavished by the russian nation on their mother their beloved matushka imperial catherine 
that a child of the house a son an heir should have ventured on such a step as marriage in direct contradiction to her will appeared to them flat blasphemy and the old deaf housekeeper the old blind steward the old lame lady's maid the old asthmatic cook the old drunken coachman and the old toothless housemaid protested in unanimous chorus against his filial ingratitude master arthur was unpardonable the steward's room passed an unhesitating vote of censure upon his conduct at that critical juncture the business of the stables or perhaps business of his own devising took the drunken head coachman to doncaster and who better known at doncaster than jack baltimore and what more urgent on the landlord of the flying childers himself an outpensioned dependent of the holywell family than to apostrophise john coachman with a jeremiad over the decadence of their master's house all that jack had ever done or left undone all his dishonoured bills all his bets disputed all that is invariably said or insinuated against a man not rich enough to buy the favour of the rabble not powerful enough to silence their slanders or virtuous enough to defy them was said and insinuated against arthur's father-in-law and the list of delinquencies strangely jumbled together and fermented by the process of a twenty miles jog homewards after the absorption of a little less than a gallon of strong october produced a family portrait of a hero within a crime or two of deserving the canonization of the newgate calendar the sketch was soon unfolded by this double-sighted youth of sixty-four to the toothless housemaid by the toothless housemaid to the asthmatic cook by the asthmatic cook to the lame lady's maid and by the lame lady's maid to the deaf housekeeper who by virtue of her infirmity was privileged to add a few shades of turpitude to jack baltimore's vices ere she laid the sum total before the recognition of the blind steward the only menial of the household admitted to the honour of gossiping with his lady for he was the contemporary of squire maudsley old hardywood's grey hairs were sacred in her eyes as the monument of her father and when with tears rolling down his furrowed cheeks he confided to his beloved mistress that the next mrs armitage of holywell would have a scamp for her father the present mrs armitage had not courage to silence his lamentations hardywood can have no prejudices against the baltimores hardywood has no filial ingratitude to resent against your brother said she when recapitulating to sophia the evidence of the old steward and he admits that this fellow by whom arthur has been taken in to marry his daughter is little better than a swindler a still harder trial awaited her when she went to pass a few days at greta castle soon after the newspaper announcement of the event in her family conscious of the former ungracious coldness of her demeanour towards the rotherhams she could not help feeling as she drove along the avenue that now was their time to triumph over her now that they saw her defeated alike in the maintenance of her parental authority and her careful conservation of the purity of her family connections now was the time for the house of greta to oppress her with the magnitude of its superiority 
but mrs armytage reckoned without her host without her hostess lord rotherham met her as was his courteous custom at the foot of the great staircase and instead of affecting lofty ignorance of what had been passing at holywell or in the style of mr wemmersley a magnanimous determination to see the thing in its best light he observed in a low voice as she leaned on his arm to ascend the stairs believe me i am truly grieved that so old a neighbour should have experienced the vexation i know you must have been undergoing arthur has disappointed us all for now the business is over i may own to you my dear madam without indelicacy that both lady rotherham and myself had cherished a remote hope of his becoming our son-in-law laura and your son had been playfellows from children and but it is useless now to talk of it he continued pressing her arm when he saw that for once in her life his stern neighbour was almost affected to tears and lady rotherham guessing what had been their subject of conversation when her husband and mrs armytage approached added in a feeling voice as she pressed her hands to welcome her to the castle it ought not to have happened to you who have been so exemplary a mother what a lesson for mrs armytage knowing as she did how harshly her jealous pride had uttered an interdiction to arthur four years before against the frequency of his visits to greta castle suspecting him to be attaching himself to lady laura she dreaded lest her aristocratic neighbours should for a moment imagine her intent upon forming an alliance with the family i will not have you continually inviting lord greta to holywell he will imagine we are making up to him on sophie's account she had imperiously observed to arthur nor can anything be more unsatisfactory to me than that you should pass your life at the castle exposing us to the degradation of letting people suppose you intend to make your appearance in the county under sanction of lord rotherham's patronage yet these rotherhams were the very people who without the smallest drawback of affectation or selfishness frankly came forward to avow their disappointment that arthur armytage had not proposed to their rich and beautiful daughter sophie felt deeply for her mother she saw that the proud woman was immeasurably lessened in her own esteem by the superior generosity of the rotherhams they had proved themselves nobler than herself End of volume one, chapter five.